0: We are chugging along through 1 Corinthians, and now we are in chapter 4. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 today. Uh, Let me read verses 1 through 13, and next week Pastor Mark will pick up from 14 to the end of the chapter. It says this, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another." For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all. Like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands when reviled, we bless, when persecuted, we endure, when slandered, we entreat, we have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. This is God's word. Um, This passage, uh, what we have been, in in chapter 4, we are coming to the end of the first big section on Paul dealing with divisions within the church in Corinth. Uh, If you remember from earlier sermons, or uh, if you're familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul had to deal with multiple issues in the Corinthian church. And uh, chapters 1 through 4 primarily dealt with division. And how they were creating these factions. You know, I follow Paul. I'm on Team Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. He's an elegant speaker. I'm on Team Apollos. Oh, yeah, I follow Cephas, one of Jesus' original disciples. He's the man. And there's this division, and certainly a lot of division against Paul. Uh, an unwillingness to accept him as an apostle or as a spiritual influence in Corinth. Um, And later on, Paul's going to go on to deal with other issues, but the Corinthians were judging Paul. So what's happening here today in verses 1 through 13 is is what this passage is about. It's about two things. It's about judging and being judged. It's about judging and being judged. And specifically, why we shouldn't do the former, which is to judge, and what we should do When we experience the latter, when we are being judged, why we shouldn't judge and what to do when we are being judged. So with that in mind, going back here to verse 1, Paul says that he, as well as Timothy, his co-workers, as well as Apollos or Cephas, all of them, that what they are fundamentally is that they are servants. They are servants of Christ. If you are a servant, what it means at its heart is that you are subject to the control or authority of another person. You are a servant. That's what it means here in the Greek. You're subject to the control or authority of another person. In this case, they are servants of Christ. And that is true of all of us. If you are a Christian, we are Christ's servants. We are under his control. We live under his authority. As Paul will go on in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians to put it so well, he says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. We are not our own. You and I, we were bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid for us, for our souls to redeem us so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could walk with God. He paid in order to make this happen with the precious blood of Jesus. God paid for this with his own son's life. We've been bought. We no longer belong to ourselves. We are servants under the control and authority of, Of God. Now, not only that, Paul says we're servants, but we are also stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, this is important. Now, what this means, Paul is saying here, is that we're not just servants, but we are also stewards. Um, That word servant there, it could refer to a rower. In an ancient ship back in those days, in terms of the root word, kind of like Ben-Hur, you know, a guy on the the lower level of the galley, just kind of rowing and, you know. And in a sense, that's who we are as servants of God, right? We don't direct the ship. God is the one who directs it. We faithfully row. We row the ship according to where God wants it to go. But lest we think that being a servant of Christ means Yeah, God tells me to go and sweep up that area. I go and sweep it up. God tells me to go and help that person. I'll go and help that person. When God doesn't tell me to do anything, I'm just going to sit around and wait. I'm just going to chill, just kick it on the couch until my master comes and tells me to do something else again. That's not the picture that Paul paints here because Paul says that we are stewards. Now, what a steward is, what that means is that a steward is one who supervises or has charge and direction of something or of people. And that's important, you see, because brothers and sisters, we're servants, but we have the honor of having been entrusted with everything that God has given to us. And we are called to be faithful with that. As Paul says in verse 2, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. We need to be faithful with everything that God has blessed us with, has given us, and placed within our hands, within our purview. We're called to be stewards of that. God has given you spiritual gifts. And we're called to use those gifts in a way that build up others and build up the kingdom of God. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, we're called to eagerly desire them and to pray and to seek to understand what they are, whether it's hospitality or administration or leadership or prophecy or healing. We are to seek to know what gifts we've been entrusted with so we could steward them well. We are to steward our material possessions well from our finances to all the things that we have, to to use them in a way as if we understand that what we have is not something we own, but it's something that God has lent to us and has entrusted to our care, and we're to use it for the glory of God. Time has been entrusted to our stewardship. Every single moment, every day that we have is something that God has given to us as precious, to be lived for him, not to be walked through in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a mindless way, just going with the flow, following our passions, but with a, with a mindset that says, how can I serve you this day, God? How can I use every waking hour in order to bring glory to you? God has entrusted us with relationships in our lives. People around us that we are to ask, how can I care for this person? How can I encourage the people around me? How can I build them up? How can I spur them on in their relationship with God? How can I love the spouse that you've placed in my life if you're married? How can I raise my children up in the Lord if you have kids? All the people that God has placed around you, your neighbors, your coworkers, we're stewards of those relationships. We're stewards of those. We're not just meant to see them in their in our purview and then when they're out of our purview they seek to exist until we come back to the office next day. They're people that God has placed within our lives and we're to steward those relationships. Everything that we have God has entrusted to us to be stewards. Servants who steward. Andrew Murray, the famous South African pastor and theologian, he put it this way, the world asks what does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? Rick Warren, the pastor, former pastor of Saddleback Church, said, at the end of your life on earth, you will be evaluated and rewarded according to how well you handled what God entrusted to you. Brothers and sisters, we're not just servants, but we are servants who have been so privileged That God has entrusted to us stewardship over so many things that come into our lives. And Paul says, we must be faithful with those things. Now, with that being said, Paul goes on in verse 3. He says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. Now, so what Paul is saying is that you know the Corinthians they were judging him. Ah, he's not a really good speaker. Ah, he doesn't look really impressive when he when he you know comes and he does ministry. I don't know. See, see Paul was saying, you know what? I'm not gonna let you judge me and change the way that I need to be faithful to God. Paul could have said, he could have been tempted to say, oh, maybe I should try to become a a more elegant speaker like Apollos. Maybe I should try to look more polished. Maybe I should try to be impressive in the ways of the Greek Hellenistic world around me. Maybe I should try to do those different things. Paul says, no, man, I'm not going to let you judge me. I'm not going to change because then I wouldn't be faithful to what God has entrusted to me. Brothers and sisters, the point here is that we are not to let others keep us from being faithful. Paul says, "No, I don't care if you judge me. I need to be faithful to God. And that is super important, brothers and sisters. Every one of us, we have been called to steward a a calling, a life lived for God. That is what God has called us to do. But too often, so many of us compromise what God has called us to do because of the judgments of others. Because of how others are judging you, we compromise what God has entrusted to our care, what he has called us to steward. Brothers and sisters, for a couple of examples, our parents, we can compromise our calling, our stewardship, because of the judgment of our parents, even the judgment of Christian parents. Our parents love us. Oftentimes they love us. Hopefully they love us. They love you. But if their expectations are based upon worldly wisdom, then their judgments are inappropriate. I've seen this time and time again as a pastor, brothers and sisters. I'll give you one example. Uh, There's a story About this young woman she was a Christian she was being pursued by two young men now these two young men one of them was a very devout Christian loved God loved the Lord this girl loved the Lord this young man loved the Lord but he had kind of an average job in the eyes of the world it was fine it was a fine job. He, he had a job. He worked. He was responsible. But it was kind of like an average job in the eyes of the world. The other suitor, the other young man, was not a Christian. W- w- lived for himself as God. Might have been a nice young man, but did not share the same faith as her. Did not worship God as Lord. Was living a completely different life in terms of God's, in terms of the purpose of life. But he had a very, very good job. Made a lot of money, very reputable and successful in the eyes of the world. Guess which one this girl's Christian parents told her to pursue? You guessed it. The, the person, the young man who did not share the faith, who did not have a relationship with God, and was walking in the ways of the world. On top of that, her father was an elder within the church. We do this all the time. We, we are judged by people around us. We should care for and serve our parents, no doubt, brothers and sisters, but we are not our parents' servants. We are servants of Christ. Sometimes we need to be faithful, even when we are under the judgment of people around us and people who love us. Sometimes the judgment of our peers will keep us from being faithful to what God has called us a steward. We're called to steward, the mysteries of God, the gospel, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We are to, you know, like Jesus said in, in the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. But do we hide this gospel message from our peers or from our coworkers, Do we try to keep it under wraps because we're concerned about our peers' judgments? Because we think that they'll think, oh, you're one of those. You're a Christian. That must mean you're a right-wing lunatic. That must mean you're a racist or a bigot. That must mean you are just so provincial in your thinking. And because of the fear of how others will judge us, we don't steward the mysteries of God and the gospel that God has given to us. Paul is saying, no, I don't care if you judge me or any human court judges me. I I need to be faithful to my Lord. I need to be faithful with what he has entrusted to me. So I'm not going to live by the judgments of people. Now, One objection to this, one question that we can bring up is like, hey, Paul, aren't you judging the Corinthians in this letter that you're writing right now? I mean, aren't you judging them about their divisions? Later on, you're going to judge them about sexual immorality. You're going to judge them about the way they eat communion. You're going to judge them about the way they use their spiritual gifts. I mean, aren't you judging them? Absolutely, he is. But that's why he says in verse 6, that we are not to go beyond what is written. In other words, we are to judge each other, brothers and sisters, but based upon what is written, based upon the word of God. That is how we are to judge, based upon the scriptures. You know, we, we judge all the time, brothers and sisters, in this world. Judging simply means discerning between what's right and wrong. We do it all the time, don't we? It'd be crazy to say you could never judge somebody. If you're supposed to meet with your friend and, you know, he shows up late, it's because he stayed up late and he overslept and, you know, he took a sweet time to get to you and stuff and it happens again and again and again. You say, this person, you don't care about me. You're not respecting my time. You're making a judgment. And you know what? You're You're right. You're right. To do that. We do that all the time, don't we? Or if we see somebody who just always is willing to help other people in a sacrificial way, we say, wow, that's great what she's doing. That's a wonderful thing. We make a judgment about that. We say that's positive. We're discerning right and wrong. We do that all the time. But we get sensitive about this because that word judge is just so um, judged in our society, ironically. You know, we, we, we talk about don't be too so judgy, right? And uh, one of the verses that is so known in America, even amongst people who don't go to church, is judge not, lest ye be judged. My uncle, who was not a believer, once quoted that to me. I was like, yeah, everybody knows it. Yeah, don't judge. Yeah, we're not supposed to judge in that way. What that way, though, is we're not supposed to judge in a way that's hypocritical. Definitely not. Like the person, the man who Jesus said had a speck in his own, had a log in his eye well, it was pointing out a speck in his brother's eye and was judging in a hypocritical way. We're not supposed to do that. We're also not supposed to judge in a way where it's like, I think I'm, I'm better than you and I'm looking down on you because you're not like me and judging in that way. No, we're not supposed to judge like that, but we are supposed to judge and discern right and wrong based upon what is written, based upon the word of God, which is what Paul is doing here to the Corinthians. He is making judgments based upon scripture, the Old Testament, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. That is what he is basing his judgment on. So we are supposed to judge in that way. But when others judge us based on the standards of this world, seeking to hold you, whether it's to worldly success as the standard, worldly wisdom as the standard, or simply the trends of what's acceptable in our society now as the standard, Paul says that that is a small thing. I will not be judged by you or by anybody else, by any standard except that which is the word of God. Friends, brothers and sisters, God has entrusted much to you. Are you being faithful with that? Or are you letting other people's judgments dictate what you do and may be pushing you towards unfaithfulness with the precious things that God has put within your care. Additionally, here, in the second part of chapter, verse 3, Paul says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. The first part of verse 3 is, don't let others keep you from being faithful. The second half of verse 3 is, don't let you keep you From being faithful. Paul says, you know what? I don't care about other people judging me. In fact, I don't even judge myself. Brothers and sisters, you know, sometimes we can be our own harshest critic. Some of us are like that. We are our own harshest critic in the way that we judge ourselves. Some of you, God has forgiven you but you continue beating yourself up in order to try to earn your forgiveness. Some of us are convinced that our past has disqualified us from having a future in God. Maybe you feel like nothing you ever do is good enough for God. Did you know, brothers and sisters, that there's nobody this side of heaven who will be perfect, who will cease to make mistakes. But many, many imperfect people, when they enter into the kingdom of God, they will hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. But, but, but what about that mistake? What about when I screwed up there? Well done, good and faithful servant. Some of us, We're judging ourselves with our own standards of perfectionism or with our own pride. Don't get me wrong, self reflection is good, especially when we are to measure our hearts against what is written, the Word of God. But some of us are excessive navel gazers, and we judge ourselves based upon our own standards. Which can lead to, to excessively unwarranted depressive states within our own heart because of our own standards that are not God's standards. And when we cannot understand God's grace for ourselves, usually it's difficult for us to also extend this grace to others. Those who judge themselves harshly and not according to God's standards, oftentimes, will be the ones that judge others in the same way. Paul says he doesn't even judge himself. Now, he does say in verse 4, For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Um, Paul, he, what he's saying here is he, he's saying, you know what, I don't care if you judge me, and I don't even judge myself, but that doesn't mean everything's okay because at the end of the day, what I do need to be concerned about is God's judgment. What God thinks of how I have stewarded my life and my time and my resources and my words and my actions and my thoughts. I will stand before God. Now this is important because there are some people who really don't care what anyone else thinks. There are people like that. Maybe some of you are like that. You really couldn't care less what anybody else thinks. And in fact, you're quite comfortable with yourself as well. You feel pretty good about yourself. Now, that can be good, but you also need to realize that ultimately, you stand before God as judge. And what he says, according to his word, does matter. This is why you do need to measure your life against what is written. This is why if a brother or a sister comes along to you with a loving judgment, speaking the truth in love, with loving critique to you based upon what is written, based upon the scriptures, we should listen. We shouldn't say, forget you. You can't judge me. We should say, ah, if it says that in God's word, let me seriously consider and think about what you are saying. Paul here, in this verse here, uh, this concludes the section of Paul talking about what we are to do when we are judged by others. We are to be faithful to God and to not compromise our stewardship because of the judgment of others. We are to judge ourselves, though, against what is written, the word of God. Now, here in verse 5, we switch over to the judging aspect of when we judge others. And Paul here, he says this, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Now, Paul here, in terms of judging, he says, therefore, now he's kind of turning into the Corinthians more again. He says, now, don't judge. You shouldn't judge. And here's why. Here's one reason why we shouldn't judge. Because there are a lot of things that are hidden in darkness. Things that you can't see, things that you don't know. What is he talking about? He's talking about the purposes of the heart. What he's saying is that oftentimes we judge other people because we think we know what's going on in their heart. I'm not talking about when people um, go against what is written in the scriptures, but sometimes we just, we just think, we judge others, right? We think we know what's going on in their mind or in their heart. Oh, I know why he's serving in that way because It's a spotlight type of service. He wants everybody to see him and how gifted and talented he is in that area. It's not about serving the Lord. right? We do that sometimes. We think we know what's going on in other people's hearts and minds. Like we're Professor X or something, right? We know and we judge. And Paul is saying, don't judge. Because you don't know. You don't know what's going on in people's hearts. God is the one who will ultimately judge. And God will reveal. So let God judge do that one time i heard the testimony of this person who used to be in the mafia i don't know if i've shared this before this guy was in the mafia i think his name was paul and he was the scariest guy in his mafia he was an enforcer so when guys from the mafia the extortionists would go and extort people for money at the business sometimes they didn't want to pay they resisted they would say if you don't pay we're going to send paul and then the guys would go oh whoa, whoa, whoa don't send paul don't send Paul. Okay, okay, we'll pay. Because Paul would just straight up come, break bones, and kill people. No, no qual. He would just kill. If he didn't like you, he'd kill you. That's the type of guy that he was. Everybody was scared to death of this guy, Paul. Now, Paul somehow heard the gospel and became a Christian. He became a Christian. But he was still working out this mafia kind of stuff in his life. And, and he shared in his testimony about how what he was, I'm paraphrasing here, but what he said is, you know, when I, when I would get mad at somebody, when I didn't like somebody, I would just kill him. But then I became a Christian. And then this weird stuff was happening in my heart. And then when somebody bothered me, or I didn't like somebody, I would shoot them in the leg. <laughs> and then I would go home and I would cry about it. Now, if you saw anybody shoot somebody in the leg and walk away, you'd go, oh my gosh, terrible person. Now, let me be clear, it's not okay to shoot somebody in the leg. It's never okay. Don't, don't, I'm not talking about just war or anything like that. But in that situation, it's not okay. It's just straight up not okay to shoot somebody in the leg. But what we tend to do is we say, that person must be, a terrible person, doesn't know the Lord, evil in in his heart. Oh, monster of a person. When in fact, that was a heroic act of spiritual growth happening in Paul's life that we didn't know. We didn't see what was going on, but it was tremendous sanctification happening in him. And that was a victory for Paul, the enforcer. He's got a long way to go, but that was a victory for him. Paul's saying, "We, we don't know, you don't know What's going on in somebody's heart? God is gonna judge that. So don't judge other people. What that means is we give others the benefit of the doubt. We give others the benefit of the doubt. Paul, along the same lines in Romans 14, he said this He said, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. Now, what was happening there in the Roman church was there were Christians who came from a Jewish background who were having a tough time giving up eating kosher. They still were like, nah, can't eat the pork, no bacon, can't eat the shellfish. No, 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 we we can't do that. And then there were Gentiles, non-Jews, who became Christians, who had no problem eating the pork, no problem eating the shellfish, and saying like, look, Jesus said all foods are clean. And, And they were... The, the, the Jewish background Christians were judging the Gentile background Christians for eating the pork and the shellfish. The Gentile background Christians were looking down on the Jewish background Christians saying, oh, you're still being held in the law and you shouldn't be living that way. And Paul says in that context, don't pass judgment on each other. Don't pass judgment on a servant of another. In other words, eat, they're, they're, they have to answer to the Lord. They are God's servants. Now, this is in a context where we, we can say clearly the Jewish background Christians are wrong. You can't eat pork. You can't eat shellfish. You shouldn't be held up in the Old Testament law. But even in that context, Paul says, accept one another. That's what he says, accept one another. Before their own master, he will stand and fall. And what that means, and I think, brothers and sisters, in this divided, politically vitriolic society that we are living in so polarized right now, it has even gone into the church. I think that this is so important that we treat each other in this way, that we accept one another and not cast judgment upon the other person, even though we have differences. We have different views on masking and what to do in the pandemic. There are different views on on social justice and, and how the church should be involved in that. We have different views on spiritual gifts whether it's tongues or or gifts like that. We have different views within the church on gender roles and, and what men and women should do according to the scriptures. We have different views on things. We must accept each other, be gracious to one another, and let each person stand before God. This is how we are to view other denominations, other evangelical Christians that are in different tribes from us theologically, as long as they're evangelical, as long as they hold to the core beliefs of the gospel, if they differ in some secondary issues, we need to accept them as brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we disagree and we let them stand before God at the end of the day. Hey, somebody's right. (laughs) Somebody's right and somebody's wrong, but it's okay. We'll let God sort it out in the end. We accept each other graciously Right now, you know, brothers and sisters, it's you know it's very it's very possible that you could be right theologically, and your brother over there is theologically incorrect, theologically incorrect. But your theologically incorrect brother may be coming to God wholeheartedly, believing that that secondary issue is true to the best of his ability and he seeks to honor the Lord and and there's reasoning for viewing things that way and doing what he does is because he loves God. Now, he may be theologically wrong, but if we are theologically right and you look at him with a condescending, unloving heart, I honestly don't know how this will shake out at the end before God. When God looks and he says, yeah, he was wrong, theologically wrong, but he really was trying to love me. He got it wrong. He interpreted that wrong, but he was trying to honor me. You, Ulysses, you had it right, but man, your attitude and the way that you looked down on him and how you were treating him, that was a bad attitude. I think that matters before God. We are not to judge When it's not things according to the scriptures as it is written, what is written, we are to give the benefit of the doubt about the things that are within the hearts of people. Can we look at each other graciously, graciously, and accept each other in this polarized society and even polarized church in many ways? We need this attitude. We need this attitude. So that when we look at our brothers and sisters, we don't go, "Ah, I know why he's serving in that area. I know why she did that. No, we accept them. We say, God will sort everything out in the end. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and be gracious towards them and not have this judging attitude towards them. The bottom line is, brothers and sisters, you're to be faithful in your way and we are to let others be faithful in their way as as well. Now, um, Paul also says here in verse 7, now, I think this really gets to the heart of why we shouldn't judge. He says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Paul is, is now, he's really drilling down here to the Corinthians. He's saying, you are looking down on me You're judging other people. But you know what? What you forget is that you're being proud. You think you're somebody. You think you have something that other people don't, so you're judging them. But the reality is, what do you have in this life that you did not receive first from God? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. And that's why you should not judge. A few months ago, I got angry at my daughter, Audrey, I got permission from her to share this, so that she won't be angry with me. But I, I took her and her friend to go get boba, and we went to uh, this place near here, Sunrite. The best. I don't get paid by them. I took her there, and as the a loving father, bought her this seven-dollar boba. Can't believe what we're paying for that, but I love her. I bought her this big $7 boba. I bought her friend a, another $7 boba, and we're there. And I'm driving back home or whatnot. I didn't get anything for myself. I'm looking at her boba. I go, that looks really good. Mango frosty with boba, lychee or something or another. I'm like, that looks really good. I said, Audrey, can I have a sip of that? And I could tell in her face, she begrudgingly gave me her boba. I was like, I took it. I was like, okay. And I sipped it. And what I didn't know, I found out later, was when I was sipping the boba, she was trying to count how many boba I had, I had drank. She was keeping track. Oh, one, two, three, four, four, five, you know. Oh, you drink five or six boba there. I gave it back to her. I'm still driving. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. That's so good. And another two minutes go by. I go, Audrey, can I get another sip? And she goes, no. She goes, no. Inside of me, I got so mad at that moment. I was indignant. I was indignant in that moment. It's like, that's so dumb, $7 boba. Why don't, you, why don't you buy one for yourself, Ulysses? That's not the point. But I was so upset inside. And I think, you know, parents, you know why. Because it's simple. Who got you that boba In the first place, who bought you that $7 boba? It wasn't yourself. Didn't come out of your allowance money. It came out of my pocket. My pocket, $7 for that drink for you. You would not have it if it weren't for me. And you can't handle that I had five of your 126 boba that are in there. I was so upset. Because of that principle, you wouldn't have had it in the first place if it weren't for me. I cannot believe that you're treating it like it's your own. Like you earned it, like you bought that somehow. And all the parents said, amen. amen. I was indignant with within enemy. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you Corinthians, when you boast and you look down on somebody else, you're doing it from a position as if you work for what you have as if you are better because of your own ability or your strength or your know-how or something or another, what in the world do you have at all that you created or got on your own? And the answer is absolutely nothing. And that should make us so humble and prevent us from judging others. It is this mentality that we have. I worked for it. That's the mentality that leads us to look down on others and to judge them. Brothers and sisters, even with all the news of high-profile pastors and evangelists falling into moral failure and sin, which is terrible, which is wrong, but, but lest we have the tendency to just look at that and wag our finger and say, how could you? How could you? I think what we need to do is to say, Lord, if it weren't for the grace of God, that's where I would be as well. If it were not for your grace, that's where I would be as well, or even worse. Brothers and sisters, every single breath that we take is dependent upon God even our very atoms being held together right now and not being dispersed throughout the universe is because God is sustaining us and holding us together through the power of his word. Every breath, every moment, every second that we have is by the grace of God. That is the heart. That is why we should understand that we have nothing to boast in nothing to judge others by because we are recipients of the grace of God as well. Lastly, here in the last few verses, Paul in verse 8 kind of um, does a little bit of holy sarcasm here. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. I'm pretty sure he's being a little bit of holy sarcasm there. Um, What he's referring to is the Corinthians' lofty views of themselves, of thinking that they were so high and pronouncing judgment upon Paul and looking down upon him. Paul, in fact, he doesn't try to change himself according to their standards. But he says, you know what? Look what he says in verse nine. He goes further. He kind of goes off the deep end here. He says, you think, you think, You can't, you're looking down on us. Let me tell you how the world looks at us. I think God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. What Paul's probably talking about is here when an army is victorious and they win in battle against another army and they capture other soldiers as prisoners of war, the army will return home and there'll be a big parade. Big parade, you know, like the Houston Astros, right? They're going to be a big parade in Houston because they won the World Series. When the army comes home, they open up the gates and trumpets are blowing and there's like a huge parade. Everyone's cheering and as all the soldiers walk in, victorious from their battle, and they all come in. You know who's at the very end of the line? The prisoners of war, chained up, being brought in. And then people there, they boo, throwing stuff at them and whatnot. They're paraded in front of all the people, and they're condemned to death, you know what's going to happen. The Romans take those people, throw them in the Colosseum to die as gladiators or just to be fed to lions as entertainment for the people, like a spectacle to the world. That's how Paul describes what he's being treated like with the treatment that he's receiving in this world. Um. He he goes on, he says, they're fools in the eyes of the world. They're held in disrepute. They hunger and they thirst. They're poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And he says, they labor working with their own hands. Even when people didn't support them and recognize that they should support them because of the ministry that they're doing, Paul said, that's okay. I'm just going to go work and make a living for myself so that you won't support me. This is why probably the Corinthians were even looking more down upon him. They were embarrassed by what they perceived to be Paul's lack of spiritual standing. Paul's not ashamed of that. In fact, he goes on, he says, we are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Great, Paul. Now the Corinthians are really looking down on you even more. But what they've forgotten is what Paul said in verse 1. We are servants of Christ. That means we are followers of Christ. And where Christ goes, there we go. And the way that Christ walked is the way of the cross. It's the way of shame and humiliation and mockery. That's the way that as Christians we are to walk in. as the last of this world. In Hebrews, it says, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What is Paul saying there? That's how Christians are treated in this world. We're the last in this world. And then Paul says this, as I conclude Hebrews here, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God the right hand of the throne of God. What Paul is saying is that the way that they were being treated in this world, rather than you looking down upon that Corinthians, it is actually the way of Christ. In fact, Corinthians, if you look down on Paul, if you look down on me in that way, you very well may have looked down upon Jesus for his suffering and his shame, just as the Pharisees did as well. But as Jesus said, in this world, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Let us not seek uh, and judge each other by the judgments of this world in pride, but in humility, in humility, be willing to walk with our Savior. And in humility, treat others without a judgmental attitude or spirit. Let's stand And let's pray and let's respond to that together, brothers and sisters. I invite the worship team up at this time. I wanna ask you, brothers and sisters, a couple of applications and prayers. First, I wanna challenge you to stop living in fear of the judgment of others. God has entrusted you to be faithful, to be faithful stewards. Whether it's with your time, your money, your relationships, what you're doing with your life, your family, whatever it might be, God has entrusted you with a precious trust. Ask God for the grace to faithfully steward every opportunity that he gives you. Maybe that means being faithful in declaring the gospel to those around you, regardless of how they may judge you. Maybe it means faithful to following the Lord, regardless of what your, your your parents think. If it's not according to the values of what is written, maybe just stop living in fear of the judgment of others. Um, can we pray for that together right now? I want to ask of you, maybe there's some of you this morning, you know, I believe that there's something that this is really resonating with, resonating with you, and and. There's this challenge, I believe, from the scriptures to be faithful. And maybe it takes a lot of courage to overcome the fear of that judgment. But God is calling you to follow him and to walk with him. Would you come and pray and ask the Lord, Lord, give me strength. Give me faith to be faithful, to be a faithful servant and steward of your blessings. So let's pray for that together right now, brothers and sisters. Let's come before the Lord with that. If there's anything God is speaking to you, especially, let today be a day. Let today be a day where you declare, God, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful with that, Lord God. I want to steward well. Let's pray together for that right now.